0: Thank you for standing. Thank you, praise team, worship team. They're, they're really a worship team more than praise team. And lead us in worship, and, and uh, thankful for that. Uh, how many of you had a little trouble with that first song? Just me? I, I can't clap and do something new at the same time. I, I, I just I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm can't keep rhythm, and they're trying to do the O-O-O's, and man, that one, you messed me up, Pastor Aaron, but that was good. That was good. We're going to continue uh, the study that we started about three weeks ago this morning. I'll I'll lay a little foundation here. the title of that was Sticks and Stones. You may remember that. We, we looked at the question of, should Christians, are we to judge? And we hear it said today, and it's usually people that say it are people who don't want you pointing out problems in their life. They're people that don't want you saying that's sinful, that's wrong. And the, the lost world loves to use this phrase of judge not, although that's not the, the end of this, the, the, the Scripture. The Scripture doesn't say judge not, period, it's judge not, lest ye be judged. So we, we, we understand that. We looked at that. Now, we are to judge as believers. We are to judge. I was telling our small group this morning, our membership class that we started this morning. I had about 10 or 11 in there. Praise God, just a great group. Uh, but we, we were sharing the fact is we are to judge, but we're to judge righteously. Okay, we're not to be judgmental. That's what we looked at three weeks ago. We're not to be judgmental and condemn. It is not our place to condemn. But we are absolutely to judge. We are to judge righteously. We're to judge through a biblical worldview, through the, the Scriptures, as we look at the, through, through the world and through things in life, through that lens of Scripture. We are to judge. And we are to speak the truth in love. Now, when we talk about speaking the truth in love, we, we came to this, uh, looking at this a couple of weeks ago, that we are to speak from a place of love. That's what, that should be the motivation of us speaking the truth. Uh, now, sometimes when we speak tr- truth, it, it isn't a, a mushy way, it isn't a loving, real easy way. Sometimes, folks, when we speak truth motivated by love, it may not come across very loving and, and and a lot of times it has to do with the recipient or the situation, but we have to be careful we don't get caught up in this well i 'm not going to say anything because i don't want to hurt their feelings or offend them and you know what that's exactly what the lost world wants that's exactly what Satan wants is for you to shut up, keep your mouth closed don't say a word because you 're going to offend somebody and you're a christian you're not supposed to do that remember you're not supposed to judge you're not supposed to speak you got to speak in love so you understand now i'm not saying we come from these things in a place of harshness, but we have to speak the truth in love. And so that is the launching three weeks ago, we really launched into this study, and, and, and because that, that today I'm going to launch into even more, that we're going to spend several weeks in this, because folks, there is a, there's a culture war going on. Anybody aware of that? There's a culture war going on. And, and I am of, of, of the impression, I am of, under the, of the opinion that we as the church have kept back with our mouths shut for far too long. And we're losing, we're losing our country, we're losing the godly heritage of our nation because we've sat back and shut up. Because we've listened to the lost world tell us how we're supposed to act, not listening to the scriptures and to what God says about how we're to act. Now, you go, preacher, are you going to get into nationalistic stuff? Are you going to get into politics? Yes, absolutely, I'm going to get into politics. But I'm not getting into politics. I'm getting into moral issues that are biblical issues. The issues today, most of the issues that are controversial today that are considered political are not political issues. They're moral issues that, that that the government has gotten, they've overstepped their bounds, their God-given authority, they've defied that and gotten into areas that are not their areas. So the ones that ought to be offended about that is not them but us. They're in our realm. They're in God's realm, and we need to, we need to step up and, and deal with that. So we gotta speak truth. In love, motivated by from a place of love, and whatever that we're going to look at, what that looks like. Hopefully, as we go through this, you're going to really understand that. First of all, we got to talk about what is truth. What is truth? Well, the word of God is truth. Amen. If you know, I'm amazed that uh, we were talking again in class. We're talking about people who believe such strange things, and you go, "What's the basis of you believing that?" It's just, well, I believe in reincarn- reincarnation. Well, what's your basis? Where does that come from? Um, Scientology. Why would anybody in their right mind follow Scientology? L. Ron Hubbard said years ago, science fiction writer said, if you want to get rich, uh, start, a, start a religion. So what did L. Ron Hubbard, the science fiction writer, do? He wrote a work of fiction and created a, 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 a religion. And, and you got people that follow that today off of something a man wrote just, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago maybe. And yet the revealed Word of God that when you look at the Scriptures, how far back it can be traced in the inspiration of the Word of God, and people reject that. We don't reject that. We understand that this is truth. This is the revealed Word of God, the, the revealed word, will of God, the heart of God is all revealed to us in the Word. We have everything we need in the Scriptures. So what is truth? It is the Word of God, and we need to know the truth. John eight thirty two, and you shall know the truth. What is it that makes us free? It is the Word of God. Know the truth, which comes from the Word of God, and the truth shall make you free. Now, it, the truth doesn't set us free. You can be in jail, I can come along and open the door and let you out, I can set you free, that doesn't mean you are free. And free indeed. It could be that I just set you loose and now all they're going to do then is get a posse together and they're going to catch you and throw you back in there and put more charges on top of it. Okay, But we know the truth. The truth makes us free. No, We're not just set free from our sin. We are made free. We are, and when we know the Lord, we are free. We are free indeed. Okay, So we don't know truth outside of the Word of God. We must know the Word of God. And then we can speak the truth from the Word of God in love from a place of love motivated by love. Now understand this as we start. Truth doesn't sound loving to those who don't want to hear it. Amen? I don't don't care. When you speak truth, there are people that aren't going to want to hear it. People who do not want to hear that truth are not going to receive that and perceive that as loving, okay? Because now they're going to, what what is it? Well, you're being judgmental. You're judging me, okay? Let's go back to that. If the Bible calls it sin, then is it sin or not? The Bible calls it sin, it's sin. And so we need, to, we need to know the truth and be able to discern truth and be able to speak truth, motivated from a place of love because we care about people, we care about God. That's the number one motivation is our love for God and going out and doing what he has told us to do. If someone shames you for not being loving, loving, remember what godly love wants. L- listen to this. Remember that godly love is wanting for others what God wants for them. That's what love is. Godly love is wanting for others what God wants for them, even when that's not what they want for themselves. They may not want it, they may reject it, but we still want for them what God wants for them. That should be our motivation, amen? So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'll bless this time Lord, guide my thoughts and my speech. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would help me to have the right spirit as I communicate, that you would, again, guide my thoughts and my speech. Don't let me say anything outside your will. Lord, bring things to my mind that you would have me to speak. Keep me from speaking other things. But I pray, Lord, you'll use this. And as we continue to lay the foundation, Uh, uh, in this series of, Lord, just this culture war that is going on. And what is our role? What is our, not only our role, but what is our responsibility as believers? Lord, help us not to just sit back and passively let things continue to deteriorate because we're not doing our job, the job you've given us as believers. So, Lord, I pray that this morning will be, it'll be educational which then can be transformational in the way that we we deal with these issues and the way that we respond to it and the way we interact with this culture around us, all for the purpose of seeing your gospel uh, go forth. So, Lord, bless now, and I'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to give this disclaimer. Uh, This message is is a—I don't preach. I, I can probably name on one hand how many times I've preached in five and a half years. I've preached a message more than once here. Probably not even five times. This is a message I preached three years ago. uh, And it was in the time where things were heating up. Uh, I'm going to give this as well. With everything that's going on, the stuff we're going to talk about was super, super relevant three years ago. It's still relevant today. It's just not in the front page of the news as much. But I I think over the next, uh, what do we have coming up next year? Anybody remember what's coming up next year? What's next year? Oh, that's right. That's right. We have an election next year. So with an election, then we have to have crisis. We have to have chaos and we have to have these created things to create these problems that we're going to learn about. Why, why is that? Why is that happening? And, and, the, and the perversion of these things. But we have an election coming up. So, you know, we haven't had uh, we haven't had cities being burned down this summer because of the election next year. I, I'm just telling you, you can record this and we'll play it back next year. The, next year at this time, we're going to be in chaos. I believe it absolutely there will be, there will be buildings being burned. There will be protests in the street. you got to create all this problem, all this stuff. Uh, you know, it's smoke and mirrors and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's, it's, it's satanic at the core of what is going on. And so I'm not deviling in politics. I'm dealing in spiritual issues. And, and I hope you're going to understand that as we go. So let's start with this. There is injustice and suffering in the world today. Amen? It's the truth. There, there is suffering and injustice in the world. There's a spiritual battle and a war for a culture that is raging right now. Words, ideas, issues, and terms have been and are constantly being hijacked. The, the left is stealing words and making things that they've given them a whole new meaning. So when you hear it, you think, oh yeah, we want that. Except they've changed the meaning of that. So, you don't want that if you knew what that really meant or what they say it means, okay? So, that's what's going on today. You may have heard this quote recently uh, go, bro- uh, go woke and b- Brent, go woke and go. Go broke. All right, y'all heard that, right? So we see companies that have done things that are really counter to culture for what people today want. And you go woke, you go broke. And what happens is, is people begin to make decisions with their wallets. You know, even in church, I had a pastor tell me that people vote with two things. Uh, their hineys in a seat and their wallets. That's how people vote. They may not vote in, in, in something you do, but, you know, if people don't show up and people don't give, they're voting. That's what they're voting. They're going, I'm not, for, I'm not for that or I'm not a part of that. And so what we do is we, we see things and we go, we shouldn't, I, I'm not going to be a part of that. Let me just say this. I, I haven't been in a Target in years. I will not buy from Target. I won't shop at Target because Target was the first ones that started this whole letting whoever wants to go in any bathroom. Are you kidding me? That's the foolishness going on in our world today. And I said, I'm not shopping at Target. I'm done. So we as believers, you know, if we want to make some impact, we can. Withhold your dollars. You want to speak real loud? When, when companies are doing things that are anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-child, then vote. vote. Vote with your wallet. Keep your money in your pocket. Spend it somewhere else, okay? Those kind of things. So go woke, go broke. Now I'm going to say this. Our nation is going woke. Now, some of you don't know what that word means because I asked this morning in our class. Some of you was like, what does that mean? I'm going to explain what that means here in just a little bit. But if you go, our nation is going woke, and folks, spiritually, our nation is going broke. Spiritually. We are going broke as a country. Oh, you're kidding me. Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's? You attack Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's? Are you kidding me? Men competing against women in women's sports. I want to know where the feminists are. Where's this fight for feminism? That, that they were fighting for women and defending women. And now you have men who are competing and taking their place and taking their medals and taking their... And, and, and mm, where are the feminists? Men parading around dressed as women or worse, parading around as I saw recently with nothing on. In front of children. They should have been in prison. And they don't do anything. Because it's a sanction, this type of a parade. This and they allow that to go. I don't care what kind of parade it is. If it's wrong, it's wrong. We've got a whole part of our culture that is celebrating that. They're not, they're not just tolerating it. They celebrate it. They're pushing it on other people. Drag queen story time in our libraries transgenderism being pushed on children and children being encouraged to take hormone therapy and have surgeries to mutilate their God-given bodies. That's the stuff that's going on today. Every form of sexual sin and perversion is celebrated all while the traditional family and biblical marriage are being destroyed, constantly under attack. How are, we, uh, how are they getting away with it? How, how can this go on and get away with it? There are spiritual, godly, biblical, moral issues that we must understand and that we must stand for. In order to do that, we must understand the tactics of, of the enemy. And the enemy, understand this, is Satan. Satan is behind all of this stuff. Now, it, it, you've heard the phrase useful idiots. And that's what these folks are that get out and protest for these. Some of them don't. They, they may think they're actually doing a good thing. But they're doing Satan's work as they as they push for these anti-God things and they stand for these anti-God things. They're doing Satan's work. And so they're useful idiots in that battle. So first, we need to understand a couple of things. And the first we're going to look at this week is critical theory, critical race theory. and, And what does that mean? What does it look like? How does that function? So critical theory is one way that many in our culture attempt to explain and confront power structures. Okay, so even some Christians have embraced this in, in these recent years. But what is it? So critical theory originated with a group of political philosophers who applied Karl Marx's ideas about economics to society as a whole. Who knows Karl Marx? Okay, so if you don't know Karl Marx, you need to go back and do some homework. You can write down some things and go do some homework, do some research. Karl Marx, Marxism. That's where we get Marxism. Socialism, the whole idea. All of that came from Karl Marx and his views on economics. and his. his, his so then that was taken. And so this, this group was these people come together, this group of political philosophers, and they take Karl Marx's ideas that he had about economics, the socializing economics, and they apply it to society as a whole, every area of society. And so the result was an all-encompassing worldview. That's important to understand. This is a worldview that supposedly reveals hidden power structures behind society's problems and institutions. So what they say is any perceived problem in society, it's because of this this, this power struggle, okay? Um, and, and so what they do is they want to reveal this and, and then by dividing people along the lines of oppressed or, or, or oppressor. That's what they're going to do. They define these things. Uh, They say that they are these structures behind uh, all of this, this oppression, these problems, whatever. And then by defining people and dividing them along these lines. So everybody, each person, you're either oppressed or you're an oppressor. That's how this works. There's a dividing line that you're one or the other. And the dividing people is key. Think about, if you think back to, any any country, any country that has a, a coup and goes, we just saw it. Was it Colombia? Was it Colombia or Venezuela? Venezuela. So Venezuela, I don't know. Twenty five years ago, thriving country, and now it's a cesspool. And it's a cesspool because the Marxists got in there, and what do they do? They create revolution. So they get everybody upset about everything, and everybody's divided, and there's fighting. You give this revolution, then we got to make changes because there's all these problems. And you throw everything out and you embrace communism and, 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 and then you have what they have. And it's what you have in China. It's what you have in Russia. And the millions upon millions upon millions of people who have died as a result of this ideology. But it begins with this dividing people. You've got to have people divided. You know, what does what does the Lord speak of in the scripture? Speaks about unity in a church. There needs to be unity we want to have unity in this fellowship. We have great unity in this fellowship. God brings unity, and that's how that works. So critical theory views human beings in purely materialistic terms. To understand critical theory, we need to understand its two primary claims. Number one, those who have power always, always oppress those who don't have power. That's their first tenet. That would be the first thing. they If you have power, you always oppress those who do not have power. Number two, everyone can be divided into two groups, those who have power and those who don't. So they'll break it down. You could end up in here. They would go dividing, and you'd end up with two big old groups. And then this big group over here, they would divide it up, and you'd be divided by something. You could get down to two people, and they're going to divide you on something because one of you has the power, and you're the oppressor, and one of you doesn't have the power, and you're the oppressed. There is no in-between. You are the oppressed or you're the oppressor. And you are, if you are the uh, oppressor, you have power. You always oppress the one who doesn't have power. That's, what they, that's the premises that they claim. So how do we know who is the oppressed and who is the oppressor? So according to critical theory, the categories of oppressor and oppressed are based on group identity. So what's the group identity? So things like your race. Okay, That would be number one. That's where we get the critical critical theory. And we have critical race theory, which is being taught now. It's, it's about race. And it's dividing race. And it's looking at all those issues. There's gender issues. You can be divided by your gender. You would think that would be two, right? Male or female. But oh, no, 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 no. No, today we have, um, uh, we have somewhere in the neighborhood. You just search it. It depends on who you find. But I saw 107 genders. 107 genders. How stupid do we have to be? How, how stupid do we have to be to say we have 107 genders? As a nation, we're getting pretty stupid. Um, race, gender, age, right? So you're, 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 you're older. You're, you're just old, stuck in the mud, old fuddy. You don't know anything. You're at the end of your life. Um, and then older ones, we, that we get divided because then it's well then it's, uh, well those younger ones. Man, they haven't lived. They don't know a thing. What? So there's divided by age. Religion religions have been a divider immigration status income if you make more than me then I'm the oppressor or you're the oppressor if i make more than you then i'm the oppressor because you make more money then you're you're the oppressor than someone else so income sexual orientation uh, gender identity. Again, just, not just gender, but gender identity. What do you identify as? Whether you are an oppressor or one of the oppressed is determined by your group identity. As a result, almost everything, including institutions like police and government, military, religious institutions, and listen, even the family are tools used by some to oppress those in other groups. So if you have power in one of those groups, you're oppressing some other group. Now, what have we heard? What did we hear last year? Not hearing as much right now because there's not an election this year. But uh, you wait. Something's going to happen. And things happen, people. How many police officers do we have in America? How many situations are officers in on any given day? Things are going to happen. And when they do and the wrong thing happens, then we're going to have groups out there again. And they're going to be doing this number and they're going to be screaming that it's all about race and it's repression. And, and that's where this is going to start. That kind of a thing. I ju- this, this group identity. So police have been, have been just vilified. We need to defund the police. Oh, yeah, you try that. Not in my community. I, I want more money for the police. I want more of them around. I don't want less. These, these men and women are doing a great job to serve and protect. No, they don't want that because they want anarchy. So as a result, almost again, so even the family can become that issue. But someone might be, you know, somebody might be a part of an oppressed group in in one way, uh, but one of the oppressors in another way. And I'll explain that. So we have the oppressed and the oppressors, okay? So then here comes this. So with, with that idea of somebody might be an oppressed in this area, but over here they're an oppressor. So how how does that work? Well, that's where this concept of intersectionality, how many of you have heard that term? Intersectionality. A lot of you haven't heard it. We we did this three years ago, but a lot of us, we don't hear this commonly, but you need to understand these things. So intersectionality seeks to measure someone's level of oppression based on how uh, these group identities intersect in someone's life, all right? For example, a black man is less oppressed than a black woman, okay? A black woman is less oppressed than a black lesbian who is less oppressed than a black trans woman. Now, what is a black trans woman? It's a black man. So now, because of the group identity this black man is at a higher, he is more oppressed than anyone else in that, in that group we just talked about. And now he has moral authority over the black male, the black female, the black lesbian. He now has the moral authority because he's the most, the most uh, oppressed. Does that make sense? Doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but do you understand what I'm saying? Great answer. A male who identifies as a woman is more oppressed than an actual woman. What sense does that make? So a male who identifies as a woman is more oppressed than an actual woman. So he can compete in their sports, take their spots, and win their awards. And the liberal crowd, that woke crowd, uh, they think it's okay. And more than okay, they celebrate it. Aren't women... According to what they would say male female. They would say that women are more pressed than men. They would say that But folks the woman of the year have y'all followed that lately? It's a lot of different publications where the woman of the year has been Wait for it Wait for it Woman of the year has been a man um, Bruce Jenner I don't have no problem with calling him a name he wants to be called, but I'm going to tell you who he is because he's still he. I don't care what he's done to his body. He's still he. He was born a male. He is a male. Um, you can't change your gender just by changing exterior features, okay? It doesn't work that way. You are born a male. You were born a female. Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, I saw some videos recently. Mr. Rogers had it right. Boys are boys, boys that are born boys, and they always stay boys. Girls are born girls, and they always stay girls. That's, that's genetics. That's the way God created us. This Will Thomas, who y'all may have heard of, was the male who, who couldn't compete in men's sports, so he wanted to identify as a woman, and uh, uh, then went and won the national championship in swimming taking women's place uh, where the, the feminists ought to be pulling their hair out. They ought to be losing their mind as a man is standing on the podium for winning, winning the women's swimming event. And yet, folks, this is the culture we're in that celebrate that. Um, in critical theory, the degree to which you are oppressed determines your level of moral authority. Kind of alluded that to already. So, if you are in the group that's more oppressed, then you have greater moral authority. So, the more categories of oppression someone identifies with, the moral more authority moral authority that they have. As a result, the experience and perspective of a gay Black woman is more valuable than the experience and perspective of a straight white man, regardless of what they may have to say. Uh, so one illustration of that would be, some of you, anybody in here heard of Candace Owens? Okay. So Candace Owens is, is a black female who is a Christian. And so as a, as a black female, you would think she would be, she's really oppressed in this structure. She's man versus woman, she's oppressed. Uh, Black versus white, she's black, she's oppressed. She's a black female. But the problem is she's a conservative and she's a Christian. And so you know what happens is, now she oppresses everybody else in their view. And so she's one of of those that the the liberal woke crowd, they target her, they hate her, they despise her. Though she's oppressed black woman by their own view, She's the greatest oppressor because she's a conservative and she's a Christian. Now it doesn't make sense, but do you understand what I'm explaining? Are y'all with me? Okay. In the same way, the more oppressed someone is, the more the the, the more oppressed someone is, the less moral responsibility they have for their actions. So there's a a, a, a story a few years ago. This woke ethics professor. He, he hit a conservative white man in the head with a large lock because he disagreed with him. But he felt he had moral authority and less moral responsibility for his actions. Because now he's woke and he's part of the oppressed, so he feels that gives him the moral authority and the right. This isn't just him, this is that mob's mentality. Because they are in the right, because they're the morally oppressed. And they're they're the oppressed ones, so now they have moral authority to hit you in the head with a lock if you disagree with them. Those who aren't part of oppressed groups, straight, white men being, being one, they would gain moral authority by surrendering to those who have it, to the oppressed. So as a straight white man and Christian, the way that I would gain moral authority then to get that back, to gain that back would be to surrender to the woke crowd, to, to those that are oppressed, to bow to them, to capitulate to them, okay? That's called being woke. So if you want to understand what the woke is, if someone who is woke, the idea is they are woke. They have woke up to the oppression. And they've woke up to the fact that the fact, the fact that because I am white, I am a racist, folks. That's not truth. Now, as a white man, I can be a racist, but I am not a racist. Okay, but being white doesn't make me a racist. Now, if I am a racist, I am a racist, and I need to be identified for that. But as a just because I am a white man doesn't mean I am. Do you understand that racism is not a it is not a race issue. It's a it's not a skin issue, folks. It is a sin issue. It's a heart issue. That's where that comes from. So, when we, when we, the, these things that are being pushed that are culturally wrong and morally wrong are being pushed on us, then if we capitulate to that and bow to that, then we're woke and we gain authority in that. Now, this is where it really gets messed up. So, you have this young white girl, this woke liberal. And I saw the pictures of this and the videos of this, of this young, punk, white girl who's woke, screaming in the face of a black police officer. So under critical theory, under this critical race theory, she, she, it says that she is morally superior to him because she is woke. She, she understands her racism And she understands that, and she's acknowledged that. Now she's submitted herself under that, which now gives her moral authority to scream in the black cop's face. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. How about this one? Oh, preacher, now you're getting into politics. How about about this one for woke? Who is the last man in America you would expect the liberal crowd to vote for? Old, white, per, 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 a heterosexual male. That, I mean, you look at that. that, doesn't, that that's, the, that's the antithesis of what the woke crowd would vote for. And yet... Biden, before he went in, said, I'll be the most progressive president we've ever had. At least he told the truth in one thing he said. He's the most perverted pro- pro- progressive president we've ever had. He is pushing every immoral thing you can imagine. So he has capitulated to all that crowd, bowed down to them, which then gives him moral authority. So here he is right back in moral authority there. And they accept it. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. Do you understand it? Okay. They say their goal is social justice. Y'all have heard the word social justice, okay? I, I, we would all, as believers, we, absolutely we want social justice. We want, you want there to be justice socially. There should be social justice. That's what our our, our system of laws in our country, law enforcement, all that's designed for social justice. Our justice system, all that's what that's designed for. But here's another phrase where they have stolen the phrase and they've redefined it. So when they talk about, yeah, Christians, y'all would want social justice, right? We all want social justice. You go, yeah, we want social justice. Yeah we're on this fight with you. We're on the same road. No, no, no. We're on different paths. Because here's what it means to them. Social, social justice defined as the re- redistribution of advantages and resources. Redistribution. That's a great uh, communist um, Marxist word there. Redistribution of advantages and resources to disadvantage, uh, disadvantaged groups to satisfy their rights to social and economic equality or the word equity. They use those two words and they've redefined them in some sense. So the word equality, do do you want equality? I like equality. I I, I like that we're all created equal. I like that we all have have opportunity. I, I love that. So equality is the state of being equal, especially in status, rights, and opportunities. We hold, these, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. We love that. I love that truth. We are. Now, again, they, they, they think it is as being equal, especially in status, rights, and opportunities. We, we want that. But here's what they want. They want equity. And equity means the quality of being fair and impartial. We would want fair and impartial. We, we absolutely want that. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm always careful. I'm never careful, I guess, but I'm careful. I, think, I do think about what I say. Um, a lot of people have a problem with, with affirmative action. A lot of people had a problem with that. I, I didn't have a problem 25 years ago with that, 20 years, whatever ago. I remember working at UPS. I had no problem with it from this stance. I would go, I don't care who it is. If we're equal... If we're equal, I mean, if, if we got the same experience, same education, we're at the same place or whatever, I mean, we're, we're, we're here. If we, we're, we rate everything on a score and we both rate 79, I have no problem with, with someone of a minority or anything, a woman or an, a, a racial minority, anything. I have no problem with them getting the check over me. I have no problem with that. But I have a problem with someone getting a job over me just because they check another box. Does that make sense? I don't think it, I don't think, you know, I don't, that's what, but see, equity is they want equal outcome. Equity is equal, uh, equity of treatment, which they are truly seeking is equity of outcome. They want equity of outcome. So they want, they want the transgender male, the transgender woman who is a male to have, be able to go and compete in women's sports where he can win. Well, let's start putting men in women's basketball. There would be no women's basketball anymore. It's, but they, get, they would probably be okay with that. They want everything to have the same outcome, not the same opportunity. Think about climate change. This help you understand this. So in climate change and all this money that's the, the, the green, we've got to give tax credits or or uh, what is it that Mr. Lockbox talked about, um, uh, carbon credits, all this different things. It's money, all right? So it's this whole idea of the, the, taking the, the climate change, and they, what they do is they take from the rich, U.S., the United States is an oppressor country. We're an oppressor country in the green, in, in the area of, of climate and stuff, and give to the poor countries because the poor countries are oppressed. They're abused, they're taken advantage of, and they're being... But what's happening is this, is that the poor in America are being hurt because the poor in America are paying more in energy costs, they're paying more in taxes, they're paying whatever it is to, but because of this carbon stuff. And they're taking that money and they're giving it to poor countries, but they're giving it to the rich people in the poor countries. It's, it's just redistribution of wealth. It's what, that's what this is. It's the whole Marxist idea. Climate change is not about the climate, it's about wealth redistribution. Some would claim that since Jesus cares about oppression, that critical theory and intersectionality should be embraced by Christians, thus Christians should be woke. That's the idea. So are y'all with me? You understand what we're talking about? Critical race theory, critical theory, intersectionality, being woke, all these things. That's what is being pushed and it is creating division with the idea of destroying this this nation. But CRT and CT and intersectionality are not consistent with Christianity. They're not. For the true follower of Christ, there can be no unity with this teaching. Colossians 3.11 says, Where there is neither, uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian or scathian, uh, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Renewal can only come from Jesus. We, we must be forward-looking people, not backward-dwelling. Not Jew nor Greek, not circumcised nor uncircumcised, not barbarian or scathian. And barbarians talk about ethnic designations or ethnic groups. Scathian were the warlike peoples, they were savage peoples, not slave nor free. With God, there are no ethnic distinctions. There can be no true unity outside of Christ. And so when they talk about this, this social justice and bringing unity, in, they're not trying to bring unity at all. They're trying to bring division. Everything they do is to divide and get you mad at somebody else and bring, bring revolution. They, that's the only way they can bring change is when there's this breakdown. Christ brings unity. And there is no unity outside of Christ. Critical theory offers a different view of humanity than Christianity. Because in critical theory, none have value. None really have value. Critical theory offers a different view of sin than Christianity because the sin is oppression. The oppression is the sin. Critical theory offers a different view of salvation than Christianity because it says social justice is the way of salvation. We all have the exact same need. We all, every person ever born has the exact same need. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all hopelessly lost in our sin, separated from God without Jesus Christ. We all have the exact same access. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all have that same access. Every person, whoever's drawn breath, has that access. Have the same need and the same access. And we all have the exact same salvation because there is only one salvation. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We all have the need, we all have the access, and we all have the same salvation, the one salvation by faith, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's going on today, folks, is not new. This is not new. It's not a conspiracy, but this is a worldview. This is the way that they see the world. It's what they look at the world through. There have been, they've been working on this, folks, while we've been sleeping. And I believe Christians for decades and decades have been asleep at the wheel. We've wanted to just have peace. We just want to live our lives because most Christians are hardworking people who want to love their families and and, and live their lives. They don't want controversy and chaos and and, 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 what is the word I'm looking for? Just uh, all this problems, you know, uh, in life. They don't want that. They want to have a peaceful life. They want to love their families, raise their families and go to church and impact their communities and do good things. They don't want all this fight. So, so for, for decades, since World War II, we've been in this fight and, and we haven't been fighting. And, and when, when prayer was taken out of school, if the country had gone ballistic at that point and stood up and fought that, that might've been overturned then. But instead of, instead, ah, we just, you know what, we just have to be good Christians, and, and, and just go along and be quiet. Uh, no. You know why? Because you speak the truth in love. Not because you're worried about offending someone who's anti-God, but because you love those kids that are in the schools, that now this has been taken out of the schools, God's been pushed out of the schools, and they're shooting up the schools, and you go, I wonder what happened to the schools. Why is this happening? Well, where was God in this? Well, He's not there because you kicked Him out. Maybe we should have stood up a long time ago. Maybe today's when it's, this is our time to step up. It's time for us to stand up and speak the truth in love. They're working to undermine the biblical order and the gospel truth. Their goal is to destroy Christianity. That's their goal. Folks, should that concern us? Well, it should concern us. It's your concerns. It's your, if the goal is to get God out of everything in our culture and society, do you not care about that for your children? I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm a solid believer. I'm not going to change my mind on anything with God because of something the culture's pushing. But I have nieces and nephews that are young that I don't want to see them pushed the wrong way, and they're being pushed the wrong way, and they're being guided the wrong way, and they're being forced the wrong way because they want to destroy Christianity. How do we help with the injustice and suffering that is going on today. Now, some in the past few years have suggested Black Lives Matter. Now, this is a little dated, but I want you to understand this because I don't, think, I don't think we're done with this. And whether it's this organization or another organization that does the same types of things, I want you to understand what this organization stands for. So Black Lives Matter. Now, hear me, I want to say this. Black lives absolutely do matter. Hear me. Amen? Amen? Do you agree? Because if you don't, I'm, your own, I'm the wrong guy to pastor this church. Because I do not, I, 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 I've said this before, I, I'm not going to be a part of a racist church. I'm not going to pastor a racist church. Either, either we'll repent of that as a church. Now, well, here's what I'll say. I don't believe that this is a racist church. Uh, when, when I was being interviewed as candidate here, we talked about this. John was in that meeting. We had this conversation. I was working with FCA, and I asked them. I said, "What's going to happen if I bring ten black kids in here uh, from the football team? How, how are you? How are you going to respond?" They were like, "Man, we're going to love on those kids. We'll we'll embrace them." Amen. That's what this church is. That's what this church is about. Black lives do matter because we're all created in God's image. You know what? You're racist if you say all God all, or all lives matter. That's what has come of this. You say all lives matter. Yeah, I believe black lives matter because all lives matter. No, 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 now you're a racist because you've changed that. Those who have suffered deserve our support. They do. They do. Some have suffered injustice and we as Christ followers, we must care about that and we should be involved in those things. But is Black Lives, black lives Matter, is that organization the answer? Is that the solution to these injustices? Can we as Christians... Embrace Black Lives Matter, and should we embrace Black Lives Matter? Can we and still love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Our eyes must be focused on God the Creator. Without a Christian worldview, listen to this, folks. Without a Christian worldview, no lives matter. See, no lives matter under Darwinian theories. No lives matter under communist doctrine. No lives matter under Marxist, uh, matter under Marxist beliefs. And don't be deceived about this, but this critical theory, critical race theory, black lives matter, all of these are cultural Marxism. That's what it is. So lives, any life, all lives, only matter when viewed through a Christian worldview. And then all lives matter. You know, the lives, every single life matters. The unborn life the 99-year-old the, the in an assisted living home that is, is just existing, that life matters. As believers, we believe that. As followers of Christ, we believe that. Black lives matter, and, and I'm gonna, I've said it, and I'm going to say it again, I hate racism. I hate it. Uh, if we discriminate by color or culture, it's sin. and this group, they are professed, they are self-professed, trained Marxist that's their worldview. That organization is a Marxist organization. Their goal is not pro-black. Its, its goal is socialism. Its goal is communism. It is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-family. Um, so see if this sounds familiar. And this is kind of what black, how Black Lives Matter operated in some ways. This is how the, the woke culture operates. Um, in Acts chapter 17, verse 6 through 9, but when they did not find them, talking about the, the, the Christians, Paul and them, They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here today. Jason has harbored them, and these uh, are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Does that sound like what's going on today? It does. You don't say what they want you to say. You don't believe what they want you to believe. You don't support what they want you to support. And they drag you out publicly and ridicule you for your beliefs. They seek to cancel you. Only when you offer security. Now, what does that mean? Um, Only when you offer security do they relent. And so do you pay them off? There, There are a lot of folks that they pay off these organizations to get them off their back. You capitulate to them. You, you, you embrace and you go, oh, okay, all right, well, I didn't mean that or I really don't stand by that. Um, I'm okay. I apologize. What I said was wrong. And I've heard it. Major League Baseball, have had some guys who took a stand against LGBTQ here recently. And, and they got just ridiculed. And some of them relented some of them come back and capitulate and said, you know what, I said those were insensitive statements and I'm, I'm sorry I, I said that. I don't really believe that way. And that's because someone forced them and we've had others stood up and said, nope, nope, I'm a, I'm a believer. I do believe that way and do what you want to do, but that I'm not going to change my beliefs on that. You've got your right to believe what you will believe. I'm going to believe what I believe. I, I respect that. Uh, so you've got to repent, repent of your beliefs and convictions Uh, Folks, there's one race. It's the human race. And any teaching against that is sin. It's anti-God. It's anti-Bible. They are creating class warfare, class division, conflict, disorder, fear, intimidation. Some professing Christians walk with them with a raised fist in the air. Y'all know what that is, right? It's power, but no, what does it go back to? Who knows? Communism. It goes back to communism. You raise that fist, it goes back to communism, and it, it's a symbol of that. It would be like doing the Nazi salute. I mean, that, that, as a Christian, I, I'm not going to do the Nazi salute. I'm not going to do a power thing, a Black Lives Matter power thing. That's a Marxist thing. It's not about black lives. I stand for black lives, but I don't stand for Black Lives Matter, the organization. Some Christians have bowed down to and even washed the feet of these anti-God Marxists. Folks, this is a gospel issue, and, and we must care about this issue. Um, you know, we say this. We say, I'd die for Jesus. Some say say, I'd give my life for the Lord. Before I went to Tajikistan... It's a Muslim country. And we had to we had to wrestle that. You know, the guy we were going with said, look, you got to you got to embrace the fact that as a Muslim nation, we get off in a village somewhere ministering to people. They may not like what we have to say. And and it could things could turn and turn quickly. You got to be prepared. You know, why are you going? And so I had to deal with that. Am I prepared to go over there? And if at some point they stop our van and pull us out and say, all right, refute your faith or die. You know What, what am I going to do? I had to come to that. And, and, we, and we go, you know what? I would die for Jesus. I think I would die for Him. I, I say that. I, I believe that in my heart. Now, I won't know unless I face that, and I hope I don't face that. But if I do face that, I, I hope God gives me the grace, the, the grace to die for Him. Would you die for Jesus? Now, many times, martyrs have died not for believing in Jesus, but for being an enemy of the state as a believer in Jesus. One example of that is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Many, many of you have probably heard that name, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Christian. He was a pastor, uh, a Lutheran pastor in Germany before and during World War II. And uh, he stood. He stood. And he was an enemy of Nazi Germany because of the, he saw the things they were doing were wrong. And he stood. And he tried to get the church in Germany to stand against it. Many of them, some did, many didn't. He, he made that stand. And they hung him for it. Right near the end of the war, they hung him for it uh, because he had a Christian worldview and he stood against them. Now, these are all Bible issues. They're not political issues. We can get into talking about private property, homosexuality, gender identity. There are two genders identified at birth, traditional marriage, pro-life, anti-all abortion. I'm going to say it again. If you're pro-life, you're you're pro-all life. And we, we as Christians, um, I, I hear Christians say, I, I'm against abortion except for incest and, and uh, rape. I, I don't support even that, folks. That's a life. And that life in that womb had nothing to do with that situation. And uh, man, how many stories are there out there of, of children today who praise God that their mother didn't abort them who were a result of incest or rape. God's using them. Pro-children. You know, the, 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 the Marxists want to raise your child. They want to indoctrinate your child. If you give them your child to the age of seven, they feel like they've got your child for life. They want to raise your child. I'm pro-child, and I want our child, children raised up under the Word of God. Uh, this cr- critical race theory, critical theory, all this is, these are moral issues. Religious oppression. Um, we think about religious oppression in the last few years. Have we been oppressed? Yeah, I'd say we have. When the government tells you as a church you cannot gather together, that's religious oppression. I don't know that we'll do that again, folks. I don't know what's going to come down the pipeline, but I don't don't know that I'm for shutting down church again. If you don't want to come, you feel threatened by something, that's your choice. But I don't know to shut the church down, especially when strip clubs and bars were allowed to stay open. Don't tell me this is a health issue. This was a moral issue. They were trying again, useful idiots, listening to Satan's, Satan's push, hey, church, church is dangerous. What was that? That was the message being told. Church is dangerous. You gather together. But you can go drink smoke together, you know, a bar, and you're, you're, you're okay. You know, you, you'll be safe. You'll be fine. That can stay open, but church, no. Order, justice, righteousness starts with spiritual regeneration, true salvation. Cr- critical race theory calls for su- uh, social justice separate from regeneration. So social justice, as they define it, fails from the start. The start, it fails. It cannot succeed because there is no regeneration, no heart change. There's no unity, no justice apart from God. Um, Okay. What is justice? That's the question we ask. What is justice? What is gender? What is family? So to know the truth you got to go to the truth. You go to, the, to God's word to get the answers on these things. Marxism goes against. It attacks the very foundation of the family. It seeks to destroy the family, to kill the children. And, and make no mistake, BLM is a Marxist organization. This critical theory, it's Marxist ideology. Critical race theory, it's Marxist ideology, it's Marxist teaching, it's anti-God worldview. Folks, these are things that we have to be aware of and know, know what they're doing, what they're trying to do, so that we can stand against it in, in the right way, in the, in the biblical way. John MacArthur said this of BLM. He said, this group is de- uh, designed by Satan to destroy morality, conscience, family, and even the church. It is immoral, perverse, abominable, soul-destroying, family-destroying, marriage-killing, and culturally disastrous. It is anti-God, anti-scripture, and anti-Christ. This organization and these ideologies are the very enemy of God. Now, this has nothing to do with the color of skin. That's that's one of the biggest things today. If you, they're wearing it out, and it's kind of changing. But any time you speak against a liberal ideology, you are a racist. And that was an easy way to shut people up. Because who wants to be a racist? If you're not a racist, you don't want to be called a racist. You don't want somebody to think you're a racist. Folks, I I was accused of that recently. I had someone in the community accused me of being a racist. I know why they said it, because they didn't like a, a decision we had made. It wasn't just me. It was a decision we made as a church, as leadership, and something we were, were not going to do or weren't going to participate with. And I was considered, I was called, I was called a racist because of that. And, and I don't know, I don't know if they want me to get mad or what, but I'm not a racist. So I didn't get upset about that. I don't like being called a racist. I don't like anybody thinking I'm a racist. But you know what? I know what the truth is. And I know that I'm not. All you gotta do is go back and listen to my messages and here's what I've said to you. And this this conference that I mentioned Friday night, it's three black churches, three black congregations that are coming together. And they've invited me to come and preach. I love that. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm gonna add a little salt to the pepper. I can't wait. We need a little more pepper in here with the salt, folks. We need, some more, we need some more seasoning in here, but I can't wait. I'm going to have a blast. I hope you'll come and join me. This has nothing to do with skin color, but it's an easy way to divide people. As we've discovered over the last few years, BLM has more to do with the color of money than it does the color of skin, okay? We understand that. This has everything to do with wiping out the law of God from hearts and minds And the normalization of every form and practice of sin. Political groups, social groups, idealistic groups, the LGBTQRSTUV group, they are anti God, they're satanic groups. They may not even realize it, but they are pawns in Satan's schemes to pervert everything God has created, ordained, blessed, saved, called. Folks, just look around at what's going on today. I I challenge you to look at every issue going on today. It is a perversion of what God has said in His Word. One man, one woman, one lifetime, marriage. They redefine marriage. They try to redefine marriage. They can't redefine marriage because only God defined marriage. Um, The genders. There are two genders, male, female. You You can do whatever you want. Folks, I can put cat ears. I can have cat ears added surgically to my head. I could put a tail, surgically put on my body. I could have them surgically implant hair, fur all over my body. I could walk around on all fours and meow. I'm still a human being male. Right? They could spay or neuter me. And I'd still be a male. We understand. You don't change you, you're not changing, but there is this deforming. We want to, they want to destroy. That's Satan's attack. Destroy so they can't have children. Destroy. The enemy comes to kill, and dis, uh, kill steal, and destroy. Man, they are, they are attacking our children. They want, to, they want to steal their innocence, their purity. They want to steal their futures. This whole gender thing. The transgender push being pushed on kids, they should have hormone. The, 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 the guy who dresses as a woman, who's the assistant director or something with the health and human services, was talking about children maybe going through puberty as the wrong sex. This is said by someone in our government. And that's the stuff that's being pushed on our children. Folks, you, you just look at it, everything. The, the the transgender issue, Scripture deals with it. The homosexual issue, Scripture deals with it. Fornication in every form, folks, and it's some of that's in the church. The Scriptures deal with it, and we have to go back and deal with life through the Scriptures and live life through the Scriptures. We're entering a new, as I said, we're entering a new election cycle. I can't believe we're already in this. We're already so much talk on all of this stuff. But get ready because you're going to be sick of it by this time next year. You'll be sick of it. I'm already sick of it. We're entering this new election cycle, and it's been a a little quieter over the last couple of years. But I fully believe that things are going to heat up again. Racism will again be at the forefront. Protest will again take center stage. And they will do uh, whatever they, they have to do to get and keep power as they seek to turn this country into a totally godless society. That's the push. So we must be informed and ready to speak the truth in love. Amen? Amen. Um, staying quiet is not, it it's, it's, it's not going to help anyone if we remain quiet. Not speaking the gospel will not save anyone. We must know righteousness. We must live. Folks, we must know righteousness we must live righteously and we must stand for what is right. That's our that's our job. That's what we have to do. Ephesians 6:13 and I'm done. Pastor Aaron, you can come. Ephesians 6:13 says therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Folks, we're to stand. Right now we're sitting. We're sitting and we're quiet. We're not even, we've got to stand. That's all it takes is just stand. Stand for what is right. Um, This is a message, I've wrestled with this all week. I wrestled with it three years ago. Not because I I struggle with speaking the truth. I have no struggle with that. But it feels like a message like preacher, I a whole lot of Bible in there." there. There is, it's all truth. It's just a little different message. But as we go through this for the next however many weeks and we deal with these different issues, next week we're going to break down some stuff. We're going to look at what one of these organizations believes and we're going to break it down piece by piece and walk through that and look at what the Scripture teaches and how what they're teaching is so anti-Bible, anti-God. And we're going to learn what the Scripture says about uh, homosexuality, transgenderism. So what does the Scripture say? So now you can know the truth and you can speak the truth in love. Okay, so that's where we're trying to get to. And so this morning, it feels hard. It it, it felt hard, but I hope a lot of information this morning. But the information then can be transformation. That's the the, the heart of this is that, folks, we've got to do something different. I don't want to sit back and, and if the Lord tarries, and I don't know that he is, but if the Lord tarries another 20 or 30 years, it's it's our fault because we sat back in our chairs, faithfully attending church with our mouth shut. We don't need to do that. We need to get out and, and make a difference in this world for righteousness. Do what God's told us to do. Father, I, I Lord, I don't even I don't even know um, what my challenge is this morning, Lord. Other than Lord, we as First Baptist Geneva, as this church out here in Geneva, God, we want to stand on your word. We want to, we want to know righteousness and to know righteousness, we have to, we have to be in your word. We have to know your word. We have to know the truth from your word. So Lord, maybe that's, maybe that's our prayer this morning. As we begin this journey in, in really understanding the issues of today and understanding, Lord, our role, what we need to do, how we need to be active, how can we be active, what's the right things, the wrong things to do. Lord, as we seek that, we have to start with your word, getting into your word and understanding the truth of your word, understanding these issues from truly a biblical perspective, not just my opinion or I think that's gross or, or whatever else. God, we need to look at it from truth, from your truth. We need to see it through your eyes. So God, help us to do that. Help us to be students of your word. As we study out the truth, as we seek out the truth, Lord, as we understand then what righteousness is, we can judge righteously. That would then guide us in speaking the truth about these things. Not speaking in ignorance. Not speaking opinion. But speaking the truth in love and speaking truth to this culture that so needs to hear the good news of a Savior who came and died for their sin and will save their soul if they'll repent of their sin and turn to Him by faith. God, help us to be loving, caring, compassionate, driven vessels of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I don't know what may be on hearts this morning. There may be even someone who's sitting here this morning who, who right now realizes I, I'm not saved and today I need to come to Jesus. Lord, if there's even one, I pray they'll step out in this invitation time. They would come forward and let us take the scriptures and, and introduce them to you this morning. Father God, bless and move and work. This altar's open and Lord, I just pray that folks, whatever may be on their heart, maybe there's a need this morning, they just need to come and cast on you. Just bless now in this time of reflection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.